0: Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nikrita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you again today. Our panel today is formed by uh, very nice people here, which I would like to welcome. Hi, Gary. How are you today? Good Nick. Good to be here. And, and Stephen. Nice Hi, to Stephen. see you, Nick. Welcome. We missed you last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Helen here. How are you, Helen?
1: Yeah, great, thanks. Nick. And
0: Lija. How Hello. are you, Lija? I'm good, thank you. Look, I'm very happy to have you with us today here. And thank you for taking a bit of your time to to come and share from the Word of God. And uh, our topic uh, today is, again, around the role of stewardship. And we talked about uh, stewards of the grace of God, you know, stewards of... The materialistic things uh, which God asks us to to manage, but today also we'll have a bit of a touch on stewards of the word of God, and our facilitator today is Gary. Uh, Gary, I'll just pass it to you and uh, guide us through.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Nick. Really appreciate being able to come here and uh, and join uh, and join with you. Uh, really appreciated being able to uh, to listen to uh, and be involved in last. Uh, last week's bible study as well. Uh, you know, I thought uh, today we might just start with just a little bit of a, a review of where we where we've actually come from uh, over the past uh, past few weeks. We've been looking at how Christianity changes a person. That's that's stewardship. There's a change in a person's uh, life when uh, they they accept the principles of uh, of Christianity. But, you know, one of the things that I've I've noticed is that the bible uh, doesn't uh, paint a wonderful picture of humanity without uh, without Christ, you know uh Nick as i uh, as I come to to Romans uh, chapter uh, chapter three uh, the, the great apostle Paul says some remarkable things, just uh, uh Romans chapter three and it's verse eleven He says something like this: "There is none that are righteous, no, not one, there are none who understands there are none who seek after God, destruction and misery are in their ways." The way of peace they have not known there is no fear of God before their eyes Do you know I'm I'm really uh, interested in that in fact uh, for uh, on many occasions I've I've been asked um, isn't Paul being excessively negative when he says this about when he describes humanity in this way what do you think? Do you do you think, uh, Stephen? What do you think? Is Paul being excessively negative when he describes humanity in this way? I actually don't think so. Um, I guess when
3: you look at people from the outside, they all look pretty good. You know, you see people walk, you see people walking down the street, and they look like they've got everything together. often there's a smile on their face if they live towards the south anyway (laughs) and um, they they walk down the street they look like everything's going well but you don't know what happens when they close their doors and go home and I was reflecting on this the other day and I was thinking about my own life because I know me the best Mm -hmm. and I have often come to the consideration that when I do good things I tend to sully it with my own attitude
2: So your own motivation is actually Yeah,
3: I think so Gary, I think it is my own motivation because I've found that Let's imagine a situation where, say, Nick needs something done that I can do to help him. And so I go over to his place voluntarily and I say, Nick, I know you need to do X, Y, Z, and I can do X, Y, Z for you. And Nick says, great, thanks, come on in, that'll be wonderful. So I rock on into his house and I do X, Y, Z, and it all goes really well. And then he smiles, we say goodbye, and I go home and on the way home I say to myself... Actually, now that i 've done that for Nick he 's going to owe me something i 'm going to be able to get a benefit <laughs> out of that right and suddenly it's like you 've taken the good thing that you 've done and you 've just crushed it and I think so often we have this kind of way of looking for the benefit in it for us, and I think once we start thinking about the benefit in it for us we 've kind of mucked it
2: up. What do you think i th- I like the way that you express this lygia you've uh, what's I your thought
1: th- Yes, I think that in this world as we live now everything is touched by sin so tremendously that we are so weak as much as we try to do good to do our best there is something behind us that is just you know as paul said as much as i try to do good just the bad thing i'm doing
2: so so you would agree with paul's um paul's thesis here yes, I um do. with the his, with his negative view of uh, of humanity uh, i mean helen what's your thought on that would you agree with paul
4: i believe that what paul was doing he was actually saying to the people we are no better than you if we go back a hmm. few verses yeah. you know he says what then are we better than they And he was virtually saying, where I'm looking at, that every one of us are sinners. Every one of us. You can't say that group over there is not a sinner. And Paul was being very clear there Ah. and saying, this is who we really are, and we are all lumped in this the same boat. And without Christ, it is. It Mm. does appear to be negative. But he was just pointing out that that's where we're at. That's the truth. And we are all the same. None of us are. uh, up there on a pedestal, and none of us are grovelling in the dirt. We are all on the same level plane.
0: Would we be able to read some of those verses for our listeners, just to to give them a bit of uh, uh, background about what we are talking about?
2: Um, certainly, uh, certainly, uh, Paul uh, is um, in Romans chapter three is giving a. Uh, his explanation his understanding of of a humanity both those who have been brought up in a religious condition and those who have been brought up in a uh, in a non-religious uh, manner and he seems to group them all uh, all together so romans chapter three is the is a passage that i'm referring to and uh uh, he actually starts in uh, verse 9 uh, by by saying this. What then uh, are we, uh, that is, we religious people, are we better than they? Uh, this is those who are, who are non-religious. And he says, no, not at all, for we've previously charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. And he suggests that uh, there is none that is righteous. No, uh, not one. There is none who understands. There are none who seeks after God. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. Do you know, I, I find that um, that statement, the way of peace they have not found, to be so real in the world in which we are actually living today. Helen, you're, bro- you're, you're, you're really yeah, wanting to get I, in yeah, there.
4: I, I'm I'm hearing what you're saying, and, and I'm agreeing with everything you're saying there, Gary. I think when we look at verse 23 in that chapter, where it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, every one of us. And that's important. But I think then what Paul does, he swaps the whole thing around. Uh-huh. And so he's going from those that don't seek God, those that don't understand, and, and then what happens in our life, you know, uh, what what comes out of our mouth and he goes through all that and then he just flips it over the other side and he shows us a different life with Christ
2: and I think and I, I
4: like that bit yes I, I yes. like you know he's setting it out all of sin every one of us
2: yes yes and,
4: and then he turns around and he says okay but here's the answer
2: Exactly. And I think that I, I think it's so important though that what Paul actually does is identifies the problem Absolutely. before he actually moves mm-hmm. to the solution. Mm-hmm. He he actually comes and he says all of humanity has a problem. All of you are struggling in some way. Together we have all made many mistakes. Mm-hmm. And here we have got uh, Paul identifying the human problem. And I believe this is so important for the world in which we, in which we actually live. If we, it's impossible to uh, identify the problem, it's actually impossible to find the, uh, find the solution. The thing that I love, though, is that uh, what, uh, what Paul does In the book of Romans is does actually come through to that to that matter of a solution. And uh, and that, of course, is the is the most important part of uh, the book of uh, uh, the book of Romans.
3: I think also that the other problem with the the sin issue isn't just what I fail to do or, or what I do that isn't quite right. It's that we don't actually reach the high calling that God places on our lives. Mm -hmm. So God wants us to live at a certain level, but we don't actually make it there. I'm reminded of a text in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is talking. And Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? It's like... He wants us to live at a certain level and we don't make it to that level. Mm. So it's not just I muck up the things that I do or I sully them with my, my motivations and my thoughts mm. about what I've done. It's I don't actually even get to where he wants me to be. Yes. And so that means that I actually do need something that is beyond myself to be able to help me out, you know? Indeed,
2: indeed. Yeah. Helen, any any more thoughts?
4: Well, I yeah, I'm agreeing with you all here. Um, but the thing is that we need to get to the point where it it is the motors of the heart, isn't it? It's the heart. Mm. And that comes out in our study this week um, when, when we look at transformation. And we look at the renewing of the mind.
2: And know. it's it's interesting, Helen, that you bring up this issue of transformation, because that is actually where I actually wanted to go to now, because one of the passages that uh, we looked at in this uh, week's study uh, is this issue of transformation. Paul points out what the problem is in uh, in Romans chapter three. He, he he works through a a process and then in Romans chapter 12, he talks about this issue of transformation. Now, in I think of uh, Romans chapter 12, and uh, it's verse one and, 1 and 2. And this, of course, is where Paul is moving into this issue of transformation. "'I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God,' says Paul, "'that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, "'which is your reasonable service. "'Do not be conformed to this world,' but be transformed, here's that word, uh, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now, I, I'm interested in this passage because there's some, there's some aspects of it that are a little bit strange to us in our particular context. I, I notice that it says here uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, that phrase is a bit uh, foreign uh, to us today. Stephen, what is Paul actually meaning here when he says, you know, present your bodies a living sacrifice? I mean, what was the context that Paul was talking about? talking in. Well, I guess
3: his Jewish readers would have had a very good understanding of what he was talking about, um, particularly, or not so much readers, but listeners. Um, and I suspect even those who weren't Jewish would have had a good understanding about what sacrifice was, because sacrifice was was part of many different religious organizations in those days. And so they knew that that meant taking something and causing it to die in order to, in some religions, appease God. Yeah. And um, so when he says um, being a living sacrifice, that's a little bit different because um, something isn't going to die; it's going to live. So how can I live as a sacrifice? Doesn't that mean that I'm going to have to put aside those things that I might normally want to do for myself in order to be able to do something for God and the people that He loves,
0: which is everybody, mm-hmm. because everybody is loved by God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does that sound?
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, if I could just uh, jump in there for from another point of view, when you talk about uh, living sacrifice, it's something which you need to surrender. You know? mm. And in this context, God is asking us, or Apostle Paul is pointing out that we need to surrender our hearts. And that will be a sacrifice, because in these days we are people who love ourselves. You know. Uh, we love what we like or what we want to do, but God is calling us to change ourselves. And he's happy to give us some direction, some guidance. And I think, uh, can I read also uh, one uh, verse from um, chapter 8 in Romans? Yes. Mm -hmm. And in verse 21, New King James uh, Version, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Through Jesus Christ, we are called to be renewed. And how can we do that? Not just uh, saying, yes, yes, that's uh, very nice what says there in the Bible, Mm. but when we have to put it in practice, it depends on us. And we can do this through the help of Jesus Christ.
1: I think the transformations that Paul is suggesting here It doesn't take place unless I have a daily relationship with God, Mm. I have to surrender myself every day and every minute to Him. Mm. And whenever I make a mistake to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. You have to do it in me through my own power. I cannot do anything without Him, without Christ.
2: Yes, yes. You, you know, it, it's really interesting. That was actually taking me to what was going to be my my next question. And the next question is, of course, how is this transformation possible? And that's the direction we're actually moving. And it's so important that we actually deal with that um, uh, with that particular question. Helen, you're breaking, you're you're, you're so busting to absolutely. actually come in on this one.
4: It answers what you just <laughs> said. How does it come about? That very verse that you quoted gives us the answer right there. Paul says, by the mercies of God, he starts that whole thing, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, unto God, which is your reasonable service, and the next one says, and the perfect, the will of God, so right throughout those two verses, to me it's like a bookend, I, I tend to look at some of them like bookends, the first part of that bookend is the mercies of God. And the the last part of the bookend is um, acceptable to God and the will of God. And in between that, you know, where you have your books, in between that, this is the way I look at things, in between that, our part is to present ourselves, you know, and that's the living sacrifice. We want to give everything to him, our mind, our spirit, uh, you know, our thoughts, everything that we have is from him in the first place.
2: So this and is total given, dedication, total commitment, come out, a, a totality. Yes, yes,
4: yes. He is the center, but he is also round about us mm. as well. And, and to be totally immersed in him, uh, I think of his love like a great big vat. You know you know these vats that you get. And I have in mind that God can pick us up and dip us in his vat of love so that it's, when we come out, it splashes over everybody. And, and, you know, it's just being totally immersed in him. And it's the mercy of God. It's not us. It is totally not us. Living sacrifice, we need to give up self and become God-dependent, not self-dependent.
3: I like what you say, although I'm always nervous when we talk about totality of things, because that, again, comes back to my sinful condition, because I can't be total about anything. And so when I think about Christianity, what I get excited about, and it's very much reflected in this passage, is that it's really all about God and not so much about me. Does that make sense? So in view of God's mercy, what was God's mercy? God's mercy was when Jesus came and into this world and did for me what I couldn't do, he came in and, he, and then he died the death for me so that I wouldn't have to die. And then God comes and acts in us as I as it, submit my will to him and allow him to do his thing. He does his thing through me and then ultimately he will come back and he will take me to be with him. Oh. So really the whole Christian continuum is all about God and not so much about me. And that, in some ways that takes the pressure off if that makes any sense oh. because when I talk in terms of I've got to do this and I've got to do that, in order for God to do things, then I've kind of mis- misunderstood, I think, what Paul's trying to say here, because it's all in view of God's mercy, and God's mercy is in every aspect of the process, oh. and it starts, oh. though, with Jesus, and f- Jesus know. involved and finished all the way through. Sorry.
4: Sorry. I cut across. I didn't That's right. You.
3: I'm inclined to preach a was, little bit yeah, on this one. I was doing one. the
4: same, Stephen. I was just thinking when you were saying, um, you know, it is about God. There's a text in Scripture that says, I can do all things what?
3: Through Christ.
4: Through Christ. Yeah. You know, you, you're saying about the total part of it. Mm. That only has got to be through Christ, him yeah. and him alone.
3: Yeah, so it's and him. I can yeah.
4: do all things through him, and we need to believe that, yeah. that he will bring us to that state.
3: But it's, that I like place. to think it's not so much me, it's actually it's him. So it's not me all doing, him. it's him doing through me. And that takes the pressure off. Have I done a good enough job of this? Well, no, it's not yeah. about me. It's about Jesus working, through his spirit working mm. through me. So I don't have to worry about my performance levels because the performance isn't me. That's In correct. some respect, I'm kind of a marionette because that's what I choose to be so that God can work through me. So when I, I like to say, when I screw it up, that's yeah, I'll take credit for that. If I get it halfway right, you know, let's give God the credit for that.
4: Mm. I, it reminds me of a statement I read a long time ago. It said, before you know Christ, it is all of self and none of thee as you come to know him it's some of self and some of thee until you get to the point where it is none of self and all of thee
2: mm.
4: i thought that was a great statement yeah, that
0: is a good statement yeah. mm. i mean just from uh, john 13 verse 3 i mean just a bit of um, background there jesus has all authority in heaven and earth and all things are in his hands his name is higher than all others and interesting now that christ is the heart of our stewardship and the source of our power. Because of him, we produce a life worth living, demonstrating to all that he is in control and he's focusing on our lives, as you, you just mentioned before. Paul may have experienced many trials, but no matter where he was, he was trusting in God. And he said something amazing. For me, to live is Christ. And to die it's a game
2: yeah
0: and if we can pick up from uh, his experience to understand that as uh, steven just mentioned on our own we can't do anything and Paul again says that I want to do good things but religion uh, mentioned a bit earlier. but mm. what I want to do I find out that I don't, I, do, yeah. I don't do and what I don't want to do I find out that I'm doing it you know who will deliver me from this flesh And probably what I want to to just uh, finish on, on this with is that we really need to allow Christ to work through in our lives the change. Because if we want to change ourselves, we may go in different directions.
2: I think of where Paul actually turned turned and said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and this is something that as I, as I look at that, I, I say, hey, transformation is apparently possible, but it's because of Christ living in you. Lygia, you've been trying to get in.
1: This transformation cannot take place unless I have a stronger relationship with Jesus daily, that I study His Word and I contemplate on His Word, that I pray and I talk to Him. So having a stronger relationship with Him, He makes this transformation through me daily. So I don't leave myself, but He is living in me daily. So I don't need to make any efforts for changing, but He's changing me through mm, this relationship. Yeah, this is yeah. what I feel
2: tell me something I'd really like to move if I can to a very to a very practical question at this particular point in time um,
4: Nick read out a text it said for me to live is Christ and to die is gain as you're aware I deal with a lot of people in the community and a lot of depressed and abused people I'm just concerned. I don't want people to misunderstand. This is a priority for living that Paul's talking about. He said to live as Christ, to die as gain, it does not mean dying as in death. Physically, mm, important. I just want to point that out. It means dying to self.
0: Yes. Yes, you know, yes.
4: And, um, yeah, Sorry to uh, come across but just that's
0: important we, we, yeah, we certainly don't want yes. to misinterpret uh, no, things but what I would like to say yes. that we live in a dying world mm-hmm. we are we are di- uh, people who are not here forever but sometimes it looks like that we are here forever with everything what we do with mm-hmm. our concentration with what we gain with what where our uh, focus is and Paul certainly he refers in my uh, opinion he refers also to the a uh, short span of life on this mm-hmm. earth, you know. I mean, if God is calling, uh, He knew that He will uh, He will be taken to experience of dying because Jesus told them mm-hmm. that they all will, will will suffer, all will follow Him, mm-hmm. even in death, in a physical death. And that's, I believe, Paul refers to the physical death here. Doesn't mean that uh, because he said to die, it's again why because he has. Jesus in his life
4: yeah that's that's the crux of it it's fine if you have Jesus in your life but you know there are a lot of people and some of our listeners would be thinking about that and um, having gone through a depression myself in the past if somebody said to me to die is gain and I was at that point Mm. I'd be saying well hey (laughs) I agree totally you know and we've got to be very careful here that you know it's dying to self and yes looking to a new world down the track
1: yeah
2: no look that's that's so important
4: dying to to, to self
1: it means is uh, not my will is to be done but his will in my life
2: let's let's come if we can I'd really like to move to some some practical examples if we possibly can because so far what we've what we've said is that there's a a human condition Paul pointed out that there's a human condition where there is according to Paul uh, there is no one righteous out there and yet He presents a transition that can occur through Christianity. It's summed up with Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then... Uh, He he again writes this time he's writing to the Galatians and he's talking about the impact of uh, Christ living in a person. And it's called uh, the fruit of the spirit. And it's found in in Galatians chapter chapter five and verse twenty two. What sort of changes occur, according to Paul, when Christ is actually comes into an individual's uh, uh, life? And uh, Galatians 5.22 says uh, says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. This fruit of the Spirit, you know, these are the diametrically opposed to those things which he has previously listed as people struggling with in this uh, this world. Now, these fruit that are a result of the holy spirit living in me love joy peace long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness are these things are these things possible
3: i sometimes wonder gary <laughs> i have small children right and um small children this is probably an over generalization but small children generally have one thing on their mind and they want to organize things to get to that one thing yeah those of you who had kids can remember what that this, one thing? Whatever it might be at the time, right? And um, and you've got other things on your mind, and they want to do this at this time, and, and they will go for it until they can get you to focus on what they want to get you to focus on. And sometimes my patience levels are not always that good. Mm. You know, I, I, I get cross. I get grumpy. I get a little unreasonable maybe even. Mm. And I sit back afterwards and go, well, who was the adult there? It certainly wasn't me. These things are great and they are wonderful ideals, but sometimes we don't measure up to them, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, not even sometimes, quite a lot, really. <laughs> yeah? Is there a trend? The yeah, 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 that's right, it is good for the soul. <laughs> and Helen. yet,
2: Paul is suggesting here in some way that it's almost as though the natural result of the Spirit in a person's life are these things. Is he being reasonable? I think he
3: is being reasonable but at the same time he also recognizes that these things aren't evident all the time um, the Bible recognizes this my, my great um fallback position is found in 1 John 1 9 you know, where it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness uh-huh. and that uh-huh. gives me great confidence so yes the spirit will do those things in my life um, as I submit to him if I can use those kind of words um, but the reality of life is that I'm not always in a position of submission. And okay. I fall back into the reality that, you know, I'm not always so patient, yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm not always so loving, I'm not always so kind, I'm not always so, all those list of things there that are in Galatians chapter five. And um, so I'm very glad to know that there is a God who will forgive me when I, when I let him down.
0: Nick, Leji? It's interesting about uh, submission. Yeah, you, Stephen just mentioned. Can I just share very briefly a bit of, a bit of my story? I was a smoker at some point in time in my life, and I was trying so hard to give up smoking mm. and for a long period of time, I couldn't do it yeah for one year, I didn't buy any cigarettes, but I was still smoking the same because my friends around me always will give me a cigarette and uh, keep smoking until I decided to give it to God, and I pray to God and I surrender. Mm. And I said, God, you know that I want to give up this, but it's not in my power. But you can do it. I can testify to you right now that even before, I tried many times to write it in my diary, you know, the dates where when I gave up uh, smoking, I couldn't do it because I picked it up again and again. But after I surrendered to God, I don't even, don't know right now, when was that time? But never I touched a cigarette and for the last 30 or 40 years almost Mm -hmm. why because i give it to god and god brought the victory in my life Mm. and that's what i think in when we talk in regard to those ideal principles you know in our lives to to uh, show our love and the fruits of the spirit you can't show the fruits of the spirit without the spirit in you exactly
1: we have to invite the Holy Spirit in our lives and ask the Lord to sanctify our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And through this sanctification, God, Jesus, can make possible everything in our life. The transformation starts from within.
2: I, I, I'm really interested that you actually say that, Lydia I think it's actually very important because one of the fruit of the Spirit here is listed as peace. Do you know and i 'm just really conscious that I, I live in a world i 'm a, I'm a minister of religion, which means that i uh, I, I get to, to contact and I get to talk to to a lot of people and you know the thing that I am just so conscious of is that this issue of peace is almost an elusive quality uh, to many people in this particular world and yet here i 've actually got a very practical um, uh, example given by paul he 's saying that the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my in my my life is going to be uh, is going to be peace, and, and I'm just conscious of how many uh, people actually uh, actually struggle with that issue of of peace. Uh, you know, I, I I think in my own uh, I'm, my own ministry, on one particular occasion, I um, I met a. Uh, in fact, she she was actually became a member of uh, of my church at that particular time. She was a um, a, a lady who had a wonderful uh, indigenous heritage. It was uh, she she was probably the most spiritual person that I uh, that I had ever uh, ever met and um uh she she was an individual who came from a, a very difficult background uh if ever there was a person who who had a reason to complain who ever ever there was a person who had a reason to struggle with the uh with the issues of life it was actually uh, uh my uh, my my good friend and um i well remember her talking to me on numerous occasions. She knew what physical abuse was all about. Uh, she had suffered uh suicide in her family. She had come home to see uh, members a member of her family who had committed committed suicide. She was a a person who had who understood the problem of drink in her family mm. and yet week by week um i would I would uh, meet her at um uh, at church. And uh, we were only a small group in that particular area. It was an outback town and would frequently do some sharing. And uh, she would share things like this. She would say, this week I met my Saviour. This week, early in the morning when I was sitting out on the veranda and I was talking to my Heavenly Father. And she would talk to and she would speak as though her Heavenly Father was sitting right beside her. In fact, I became convinced that her Heavenly Father was sitting uh, right beside her. Uh, Do you know, to me, she was a a lady that epitomised peace, um, and yet... With everything else that was going on in her world, I at that time, it was almost a little bit of a mystery to me mm. uh, because if ever there was a person who should not have had peace, it was my friend, this wonderful indigenous lady. And uh, I understood at that time the truth of this particular phrase uh, here, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in the
0: life brings a thing called peace. We are going to take a short break right now. Please stay with us and we'll be back with you in a minute.
3: Welcome back to our Bible study group time that Gary's leading out so admirably well. Um, just if I could put a little promo in here, um, if you'd like to join a group Bible study rather than just sitting and listening on the radio, then every Saturday morning at Adventist churches all over the country you can join in with them and they have one usually starting around about 9.30 on a Saturday morning. Although it'll be worthwhile to check out the times because some churches do have different times. Here in Adelaide, there are a number of churches where you could attend. But if I could just point out three of them, uh, down on the south of Adelaide, there's a, a larger church called Morphett Vale on Pimpala Road, and they start at 9:30 in the morning. Um, in the city, in the CBD, on um, Angus Street, there is Adelaide City Church, and they also start at 9:30 in the morning. And perhaps towards the north, in Para Vista, they start at 10, but their Bible discussion starts around about half past 11, and you'd be welcome to join. and sort of put some faces to the discussion. Um, I'm very glad to see you as you come along.
2: Thank you so much, Stephen. Really appreciate that. Uh, Those are always an exciting time. It's wonderful to be able to uh, get into uh, into the word. Just before the... uh the break we were looking at that whole subject of peace and helen i know you were trying to get in on that particular subject when the holy spirit has impacted uh, a person's life one of the things suggestions we've made is that the fruit of the spirit results in uh, in certain uh, qualities and one of them was peace and i shared just a brief story of something that occurred in my life and something has occurred in a similar way in your life
4: yeah i am um I wanted to come after you said about that um, lovely lady and feeling the peace. I've actually experienced a most amazing peace with God in an air crash and in an earthquake. But what brought it really home to me was the story about two artists. Um, Sometimes we think about peace as, you know, it's nice and calm and everything. And one artist, they were both asked to paint their view of peace one artist painted a beautiful scene you know um a landscape and it was it would appear very peaceful but the other one he presented a stormy um, picture with a bird on a branch and this bird was sitting there on that branch and somebody said why did you paint that and he said the branch showed him peace because it was unruffled in the middle of the storm because Mm. it trusts his heavenly father Aww. and i thought that that said it all that says it all Aww. i remember when we were coming into to land in an aircraft that the um, nose wheel was flapping in the breeze up in papua New guinea and um the pilot tried very hard to get it to lock and it wouldn't and we were in a twin-engined aztec and it very heavy at the front and we had to land and all, all the emergency vehicles were there. We had no idea what was going to happen, whether that plane was going to flip or what was going to happen, whether we were going to come out dead or alive. And I do distinctly remember this amazing piece that came over, that it didn't matter at that point in my life whether I lived or died. Mm. It was just like there was this bubble around me almost, not unreal, but Uh. it was just incredible. And that peace then went through to my son, and he was only a little um, tacker at the time. And so he was at peace. And I remember afterwards one of the guys coming to me and said, how did you do that? Uh. I said, how did I do what? How did you stay so calm through it all? Uh. And I said, that wasn't me. Mm. That's God's presence in our life, and God can take over. Yeah. That's a peace that passes understanding.
1: Yes, it sure is.
2: Yes. 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 Did yes.
1: you? I experience in my life more peace and joy when I have a stronger relationship with God, a permanent relationship with God, a, per, uh, a personal contact with, with the Lord. So I am more at peace now than. I used to have before with work and stress and everything. I was very agitated and very impatient, but now it's totally different because I think the Lord Jesus is placing his peace into our hearts as we sit and talk to him, Uh. as we sit and ask for his blessings of the Holy Spirit upon us. And many times before, when I was younger, I asked myself, how come I should have this fruit of the Spirit in my life, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, and so on, Mm -hmm. unless we have that stronger relationship with the Lord. We want to experience
2: this. This is one of the things that I suppose I continually marvel at, uh, because um, in in my ministry you certainly see this at uh, in crisis times of people's life. You know, as you're as you're sitting with people and you know loved ones, somebody who who is dying. I, I have seen this uh, peace on many occasions, but you know, to me, it's in the day to day living. That really stand it stands out to me uh most uh, most of all when when the Word of God says um, that the fruit, the result of the spirit in your life is actually a thing called peace joy i just i i am just i marvel um at that reality uh, because um I, I live in a world where peace and joy is something that well. People take substances to achieve what we've actually been um, promised in the, in the scriptures. What do you think, Stephen? I mean, in, in your experience, do you find the same thing or no?
3: Well, yeah, but I was just thinking about what you were saying. I think part of the problem is, is that we pursue these things. So we live in a world, you know, we, we, I guess we're used to hearing about the, uh, the American dream, which, of course, is part of it is the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, we've heard that before. I think people pursue these things in order to obtain them and get them and to dwell in them. But the reality of life is that they are actually a byproduct. Yes. So you don't you don't get happiness by pursuing happiness. You don't get peace by pursuing peace because a lot of these things are almost illusory when you're chasing after them. Yes. But you get them as a byproduct of. Of making right decisions and doing the right thing, and in this case, the right decision is to commit yourself to Jesus. Exactly. If you commit yourself to Jesus and you give your life over to them, then as a byproduct of those things, no matter what condition you're in, I love the reference that Helen made to that picture of of the storm and the bird quietly sitting on a branch, because you only really see peace in the context of not peace if I can say that mm. um, most clearly, then um yeah, you, you get that when you make those decisions, and so when you are in those stormy places, there is that potential to enjoy the peace and the mm. presence of
2: god mm. Mm. We
1: traveled uh, quite a few times from Australia to uh, Europe, so it 's a long trip by plane over the ocean and uh, uh, you know dry land, so when you hop in a plane, so you uh, you are just going into unknown. So you don't know the future, you know. So I surrendered myself into God's hands, into God's arm and say, Lord, so here I am. You just take me. And if it is your will, not my will. So I traveled at peace, Uh that long hours of traveling. I just traveled at peace because I surrendered myself into my father's arms
2: yeah that's that's so important and uh, but to me, I think here uh, the question of you know how do I actually ask the Holy Spirit into my life is actually of vital significance. Do you know just uh, just this morning i was uh, uh, I got up uh, fairly early, and you know it was an incredible privilege for me just to sit down and read from the uh, read from the the Christian scriptures, and the book that I was reading from this morning was actually the book uh, of Isaiah. Um, and some of the uh, incredible promises that uh, came to God's people through Isaiah the prophet. Now, you know, to me the uh, the wonderful thing about uh, about the scriptures is that there are so many promises. In the Scriptures that are actually there for us to claim, and uh, and I think of one of them. I've just just turned here in my in my uh, copy of the Scriptures to uh, to John's Gospel, and um, uh, here I've got uh, this is John chapter fourteen, uh, it's verse uh, verse twenty seven, and Christ is speaking uh, to his um, uh, to his disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives unto you. Let not your heart be troubled; neither let it be afraid. This is a this is a wonderful promise that's actually there for me to claim. And you know, this morning, as I was uh, just sitting in a in a quiet time, uh, just praying to my to my heavenly Father, just reviewing some of the uh, some of the promises of scripture, scripture, I was once again convinced of the reality of uh, the of of seeing God's promises uh, fulfilled. In my life, and I am so thankful that we have got the promises of God. How does a person um, receive the Holy Spirit? They actually claim the promises of God. I believe. Mm. What, what What do the rest of you think?
3: Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock on the door, be open unto you. That 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 whole. Promises made in the context of gifting the Holy Spirit to people, its and we often take those promises and say, if I ask I'll get whatever I want, where's that Ferrari sitting in my drive kind of thing? Mm. But actually it's not talking about anything and everything, it's talking about God's willingness to give us His Spirit. So I think you're spot on Gary, you just have to ask and then in faith believe that that's what He's done and move forward in your life.
2: Mm. Mm. Helen?
4: When we ask, He will supply our needs, not necessarily our wants. Mm. Mm. I remember that um, Billy Graham's wife Ruth Graham made a statement I'm so glad that God did not supply all my wants or I would have been married to the wrong guy many times and I thought that's so true in, in our own life he knows our needs and we need to trust in a father who loves us unconditionally that he will meet our needs
0: in a few more minutes which we have uh, available, I would like to just uh, try to wrap it up and uh, see if we can get something out of this discussion and to live with our listeners, particularly in the context of uh, us Christians being called to be stewards of the Word of God. How can we point out to the Word of God to something to be encouraging to our listeners? And I will probably refer also to um, Revelation uh, 14, from verses 16 to 12, because there are a few passages there in Revelation which um, children of God are asked to represent God in a certain way. We are called here also to bring a warning, if you like, to, to our neighbors. Would you like to just guide us through, through these points uh, as we're trying to close?
2: Thanks. I think you make a very good point there, because what you're actually uh, bringing up is the subject of the Christian's attitude to the Word of God. From uh, from the earliest days, uh, the Christian Church has uh, has believed and has maintained a uh, the Scriptures as being a a powerful sword, according to according to Paul. Uh, He he terms it. uh, a two edged sword, one that is able to be quick and powerful, and you know i uh I am conscious that, as we turn to the Word of God, what we discover are the promises of God, and in the promises of god uh, we've actually got incredible power. they are actually there for us to uh they are actually there for us to to claim and uh, i I would certainly refer our um, our listeners to the uh, to the scriptures uh, and to the to the word as it's been given to us.
4: I believe that um, uh, you know our study really is to do with stewardship, and stewardship uh, one of the roles is sharing that message, isn't it? I read a statement by David Livingston It said, I place no value on anything I have or may possess, except in relation to the kingdom of God. If anything will advance the interests of the kingdom, It shall be given away or kept, only as by giving or keeping it, I shall most promote the glory of him to whom I owe all my hopes in time of eternity. So what we can do as Christian stewards is to receive God's gifts, and they're in the form of the promises, Gary, as you mentioned, but use them responsibly, share them lovingly, and return them to God to advance his kingdom. Mm. And Mm. then we are stewards, good stewards. In Revelation we have the three angels messages and um,
1: the first message message it says in Revelation 14 verse 7 it says fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment judgment has come worship him who made the heavens and the earth the sea and the springs of water it means the angels present this the truth message that uh, they have been called, and we are being called, to proclaim to the world. I think mm-hmm. the solemn uh, message, and uh, it's, a, it's a, a, of a great importance to proclaim uh, Jesus' love into the world. And um, uh, if we proclaim Jesus' love into the world, it means God is working with us towards his message, to bring people out of the world into his kingdom because Jesus loves everybody.
3: I think that's right. He does love everybody. As I reflect on this whole idea of being stewards of the word that, that Nick's kind of referred to, it strikes me that um, the key thing to think about is that the the Bible teaches us stuff about God, I suppose, and God's interaction with people. And as you reflect on God's interaction with people, you find at its very core that there's this attitude of love towards the people that he interacts with. Sometimes the stories are hard to understand, but nonetheless there is this love driver. Mm. And as we, think, as we think about that, as we think about the idea that the Bible teaches us or gives us instruction and teaching, I, I always draw back the idea that at the very center of all those teachings is the person of Jesus. Mm. Um, if Jesus isn't at the center of the teaching that we get from the Bible, then we can't be stewards because stewards... Um, are people who are responsible to share things or to look after things or to tend to things in acting for their master. And who is the master? The master is Jesus. Mm. And so Jesus is at the core of everything, and he's at the core of the Bible, and he's at the core of our behavior and the way we live as a result of our interaction with the Word because that's where we discover who God is and we see God in Jesus. And so I, I guess the next thing I would say is that means that the way I live ideally is going to be a way that will show who jesus is to those around about us and that's because of my connection with him and my connection mm-hmm. with the word i think that i think that's what it means to be a steward of the word it's to show who jesus is to those around about us because of my time that i spend in it otherwise they're not going to know are they and they're not going to see um one person said many many years ago that sometimes we are the only bible that people will ever mm-hmm. get to read and so the question then becomes what do they see they They want to see Jesus in me. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what it's all about, really. One theologian said that um, the wonderful thing about Christianity is that it's not a whole bunch of really good ideas, but it's a whole bunch of really good ideas that find their source in Jesus. And if there is no Mm -hmm. Jesus, then Christianity's got nothing to say. It's got nothing to share because Christianity, the sum and total of it, is all about Mm. Jesus. And that sharing is seen from what we find in the Bible and in how we interact with each other.
2: All right, let's... uh Let's, uh, let's see if we can bring together everything that we've, uh, we've been saying to, to, to this point in time. This week's Bible study has really encapsulated a number of very key points. We started by looking at Paul's view of humanity. What is Paul's, what does, what is humanity really, really like? And uh, it, we looked at a very negative picture in some ways as to what, uh, what humanity is actually at. And yet we were able to transform, uh, we were able to move later in the same book. And look at that passage where uh, Paul speaks about a transformation that is able to take place. We've seen the, the way that transform, transformation takes place is through the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, bringing gifts into an individual's life that otherwise uh, would, not be, uh, uh, would not be possible. I, I suggest that there have actually been many examples of how lives have been changed uh, through the empowering of these uh, of these gifts. So if we find that within the scriptures we we find this wonderful uh, promise that has been given to us by by God. But that's just my thoughts. Tell me what? How would you sum up this week's Bible study, uh, Stephen, Helen, uh, Ledger? I
3: think Christ at the centre. If you wanted me to go for one little phrase, I'd go for Christ at the centre. He's at the centre of everything. He's at the centre of the Bible. He's at the center of the things that we learn in the Bible, and he's and he was at the center of our lives as well. And that means that there'll be times when um, in our life when things are going very well, and there'll be times when we muck up, and then Christ is in the center of that too because he is the one who provides the forgiveness so we can step forward afresh and start again and move forward because that's what God does. God, So God is at the center. Christ is at the center of everything.
1: Yes, just the complete, is, is Christ is the center is in my life, of my life. Mm. I wake up with Him, and during the day, in everything I do, I do with Him. Every minute, every second, I have a vertical connection with the Lord permanently. And I'm praying when I'm driving, and I'm praying when I'm cooking, and I'm praying when I'm exhausted and, and I ask for mm-hmm. his power because to my own power I cannot do anything
2: mm.
4: um, I sort of went oh when Stephen started to speak because that was exactly what I was going to say Stephen I yeah. believe yes the whole, Must be the whole crux of this, this study is that Jesus is the centre if you visualise a wheel you know he is the hub he is right there and from him everything if he's the centre of our life from him everything radiates out from him and it should affect all our actions, mm. all our thoughts, and our relationships as well. Mm. And I agree with Lydia, you know, it needs to be a vertical connection as well as a horizontal. Yeah. And the letter love is exactly that, mm. L, from the Father to us and then us to others. And I think that really is the crux of our... I
0: would like to say also that uh, as we understood that we can't do anything without Jesus, that means that we have a great responsibility to be called the stewards of God, because we are here to represent Jesus in front of many other people. And how difficult it is sometimes to try to be a um, good person, not having the power behind you, you know. But in this case, if we have Jesus with us, then he will speak through us. And if we uh, misrepresent, then we should ask ourselves, you know, to see, am I connected with the source? or I'm just thinking that I'm connected. And sometimes we can live a very routinely Christian life in these days and not having the power of Jesus in us. I'm just wondering,
2: just to, to finish, do you know the way that um, um, that we have this, this peace, these gifts of the, the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, is actually through prayer. And I'm, I'm just wondering, Helen, how would you feel about uh, yeah. about praying possibly and just asking? There may be a listener out there right now who may be saying, hey, I'd love to have the peace of God yeah. in my life. I, I'm just wondering, would you just like to, to pray and maybe um, ask that the, uh, that, that the Lord's peace will be with that particular individual?
4: Yeah, absolutely, Gary. Let's just pray. Loving Heavenly Father, the very words, our loving Heavenly Father, may that shine in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that the opportunity we have of sharing with the listeners today and amongst ourselves the wonderful, wonderful revelations from your word. Mm. I pray, Lord, that there is someone listening today that has a need so great, Father, that we don't know it, but you know it. I pray that as they're listening right now, that they will be willing to submit their life to you, Mm -hmm. that you will transform them, and that they will experience the love and the joy and the peace that only you and your Spirit can give. Mm -hmm. Bless each listener, Father, and bless each one as they go about their daily work. May their thoughts turn to some of the thoughts that we've shared with them today. And may we all be good stewards of your word, sharing the love that comes from above out to others. I pray in your precious name. Amen.
0: And this was uh, Bible study. Thank you for being with us today. We invite you to come back and uh, listen to the next subject next week. Uh, Until then, may God bless you and keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.